This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Michael Keith Feldman. Our guest today is award-winning composer Allison Plant, founder of Treble Cove Music and a longtime Berkeley educator who has recently been named chair of Berkeley's film scoring department. This makes her the first woman to hold this position at any film scoring department in the nation. Allison Plant, thank you for joining us today for Inside Berkeley, and congratulations on this exciting new role. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So to start out, I was hoping you could give us some sense of what students studying scoring for film, TV, and visual media here can expect under your leadership. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is that we're not going to totally reinvent the wheel. We've had a very successful history, and uh, so I'm looking forward to building on that. Uh, We started almost 40 years ago at Berkeley offering film scoring classes. Don Wilkins was the founding chair. And uh, we've had, as we'll talk about later, very successful graduates and, uh, and alumni now who are very prominent in the industry. So there's a lot that I think we're already doing right So I want to build on that uh, legacy and just continue to innovate and uh, broaden our focus. So I want to start looking more globally. We're in a rapidly globalizing world, uh, scoring included. And I'm looking forward to uh, learning more myself about what film music is doing in other areas of the world and other uh, film and television and other media. Um, And uh, bringing that to our students international student body as well, and so that we are preparing them for careers not only in Hollywood, but potentially in Bollywood and other media-making areas in other countries as well. Absolutely. Well, since you mentioned the the alumni uh, who are currently working in the industry, um, yeah, I've been interviewing a dozen or so of them recently, um, mostly in L.A., but also places like New York, Atlanta, um, as composers, working uh, as orchestrators, editors, score and dialogue mixers, and so on. Um, and they're working on some of the biggest films of the summer that are out there, Jason Bourne, Hands of Stone, Wiener Dog, Swiss Army Man, the BFG. I could keep going, but I won't. Um, the point is they all sing Berkeley's praises. Uh, for solidifying their foundation and embarking on this career in the industry. Uh, Is there something that gives Berkeley alumni a competitive advantage that helps them secure these high-profile roles? Yeah, I think there's several things. One is just that very network. I think the fact that we have so many alumni out in the field, uh, in Hollywood and beyond, means that there is a ladder of, you know, hands to hold on to as you're rising up. So there's—and alumni are very supportive of each other. There's a very strong network, especially in L.A., uh, also in New York, Nashville, uh, and around the world— and uh, so I think if you're graduating Berkeley today, you have uh, some people to talk to who've uh, sort of paved the way for you. They might be in a position to hire you, and that's mutually beneficial. So the they want to know that they have uh, assistants who are well-trained, and then obviously our students want to have that first entry-level job when they leave. Um, in terms of taking that job, they're very well prepared, I think, comparatively to a lot of the other training that's that's available uh, in terms of technology. So they're ready to step into those roles and troubleshoot somebody's rig. Uh, they know how to, you know, uh, lay off stems and sequence and do music prep. They have sort of that complete package of skills, which is useful to them both to assist another composer or if they're freelancing and have to really do everything themselves. Absolutely. Well, that that diversity of training leads me to uh, wonder about some of the interdisciplinary work for students here that you've been involved in. I'm thinking of uh, the the course that mimics the process of creating and performing and recording a film score just as it would be done on a big-budget production in Hollywood. Um, but can you discuss the value of that sort of real-world 
style simulation and, and maybe other ways that you're working across disciplines and across departments here at Berkeley to create that kind of thing? Yes. Uh, almost nothing is done in scoring uh, by oneself. It's all collaborative. You're collaborating with musicians. You're collaborating with your director at the very least. Often you have a team of people. You have a music editor, orchestrators, music preparation, so forth, uh, so forth and so on. So uh, understanding how to collaborate and work with others on a creative project is one of the key skills that I really want everybody to have when they are a Berkeley student, especially in film scoring. So, um, yes, we created this three-course collaboration as one example of that. That's the music production and engineering department uh, does the recording. The uh, ensemble department has an orchestra ensemble that's specifically a scoring orchestra. And then film scoring provides, obviously, the the scoring, the music that they're going to be recording, uh, as well as the conducting. So that's, uh, you know, there's just so many levels there of collaboration, and that's really what they get to practice week in and week out. Um, and I think it's important, the, the thing that you get by doing this in a classroom situation that you don't once you've graduated or that it's harder to do once you're graduated is you get the chance to try things repeatedly, fail perhaps in things, and then try it again the next week. And that's really, I think, the best way for students to learn. So they get the chance to kind of you know, take the actual car on the road, but if but they have like, you know, bumpers. So they're not going to like fail too badly. It's not going to crash somebody's session that's costing the studio or the composer, you know, ten, twenty, hundred thousand dollars. They're, they're just going to have that be a learning experience for everybody. And so I think that's, um, you know, the most valuable piece of that. Um, we also have other collaborations going on. We uh, work with the guitar department on a project for our Dramatic Scoring 2 class uh, where the uh, we pair a guitar student with a composer or with film scoring student. Um, each film scoring student gets half an hour with that player, and they're in the studio together, and they're really working collaboratively on a cue. Um, this mimics uh, what happens a lot in the industry as well. There's uh, uh, especially, well, actually at all levels of budgets, um, both low-end and, and high-end, this sort of collaboration works this way, and I think it's a great thing to try to get a chance to do that. So I want to circle back to the, you mentioned, you know, talking about the, the room to fail. Um, and, you know, as well as Berkeley might prepare its students, uh, and we know that it does, we also know that breaking into the industry isn't easy, even with all the right skills. So I wonder if you could talk about that resilience factor, uh, especially for young professionals who might not be used to, you know, having to knock on a lot of doors a lot of times, getting them slammed in their face before they finally, you know, get invited in. Is that something that you address in the de- in the department? Yes, we absolutely do. Um, yeah, I, I actually try to address that even when students are trying to pick their major. Um, what I, I think the two, you know, the two things you need to succeed beyond the various skills, and there are many in scoring. So you know, you need to be uh, obviously a, a good composer. So you need strong musical background. You need uh, strong technological skill. You need uh, a whole bunch of different people skills, and you need uh, some business acumen. And you also need actually a sense of of drama and how stories work. That's actually maybe the most important of all of those. Um, but beyond all of those skills that we can teach, um, there's also this thing that we I don't think we can teach, which is do you have a passion for doing this. And that's really, I think, the thing that makes people succeed or not in the long run, because you do have to be persistent. And it's it's a lot easier to be persistent and wait out the difficult times and the rejections if it's something you are truly passionate about and really want to do. Um, I actually think there's more opportunity in scoring in terms of jobs and uh, 
you know, an opportunity to, to monetize your music, essentially, than there are in a lot of areas of music. But there's also still a huge, a hugely larger number of people trying to do it than, than can actually uh, fit in the market, essentially. So, and really what makes a difference is how much people want it. And if you're willing to wait the two, five, ten years that it takes, whatever that amount might be, um, you know, eventually it's a numbers game and you knock on enough doors and eventually one of them's going to open at the right time. And then if you have those skills, you can walk through it. And I imagine it also depends on the size of the door you have your, your mindset <laughs> right. to walk through. I mean, people often think about these big budget films, um, but, you know, you've scored certainly big budget projects for PBS and the History Channel, national television commercials, but you've also done independent films, museum installations, live theater. Um, so is it fair to say that your intent is to help your students be able to seize on a diverse set of opportunities like that? We do try to prepare our students not just for that, um, you know, that end dream, you know, the sort of one-size-fits-all dream of the Hollywood score with the orchestra, but also to have the means to do all sorts of other kinds of projects. Um, for example, we are doing in the fall a new course called Documentary Practicum um, that's going to be taught by our associate professor, Ruth Mendelson, um, who does a lot of documentary scoring herself. Um, and the focus of that, we're going to pair up eight uh, film scoring majors with uh, eight film fellows of the Ground Truth Project, which is a nonprofit based at GBH, and they're creating um, documentary films, uh, short subject films for uh, so social and environmental action that uh, hopefully will be shown at the COP22 Climate Summit in Morocco in no November. Um, and this is, again, sort of a, another avenue of scoring. You know, scoring documentaries is, is uh, very similar in a lot of ways to scoring narrative films, but there are some differences. Um, but it's, uh, if, if what you care about most is that your music makes a difference, um, that's you know, an, an avenue you can pursue as a career uh, where you have uh, you know, a very direct connection between your music and social and, and uh, other kinds of change. So this is, again, we're trying to create more opportunities for students who might have interests in different areas or even uh, let them know that these avenues exist. They might not be aware uh, that there are other ways of doing scoring than, than to you know, going through the, the narrative film in Hollywood route. And in terms of social change closer to, to Berkeley, uh, I mentioned at the top that this, there's some historic significance to your appointment. Um, as you now become the first female chair of a film scoring department in the U.S. Um, and I know that you're interested in promoting greater diversity in the industry, which for a long time hasn't been particularly diverse. Uh, we're starting to see recognition of that. I'm thinking about the Oscar So White campaign, Closer to Campus, the Women's Film Initiative. Um, since Berkeley is so often seen as a microcosm of the industry, is the need for greater diversity something that the film scoring department here is addressing? Absolutely. So um, in terms of the gender diversity, um, in the film scoring world, in, in the industry, right, uh, women are, are drastically underrepresented in scoring. Um, and there's many theories about sort of why this is, but the fact remains that uh, less than 2% of studio films, at least, are scored by women. That's a, a, a low, I mean, just call it even a low number is, is uh, doesn't even do it justice. Um, and, and I don't think any any reasonable person can look at that and say, like, that's just because women don't want to do it or what, you know, so, so there's right. clearly a problem. <laughs> um, in other areas of scoring, women have more representation. So in terms of independent film, um, you know, documentary film, television, uh, and to some extent, uh, um, even more so than those games, there's, there are more women represented, but even there, it's, uh, it's nowhere near 50%. So not seeing, uh, you know, role models in the field uh, can be a big disincentive. I've heard from 
found some uh, female alums who've said, you know, I, I knew this one you know, woman alum, and I was watching her progress, and it made me feel like maybe I could do it. And then she dropped out, and I felt like, oh, maybe I should drop out too. And so that's what I want to avoid. I want to create uh, mentorship uh, connections. So in the industry, there's a new group called the Alliance for Women Film Composers. Um, so I've been working to connect them to the student group, the Women's Film Initiative group here, which I serve as an advisor for. I would love to, to be able to uh, change the industry by sending enough, uh, you know, Uber qualified women graduates out that the you know nobody can ignore them anymore, and we're gonna like you know break that door open. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so let's get a little more into Treble Cove um, in terms of being a business owner. Um, you know, one project you recently worked on was the short film "The Morning of Everything," um, and the filmmaker Jeff Stern describes it as uh, quote a fever dream about fatherhood unquote. Uh, I was really moved by this film. I just thought it was so touching. And uh, in no small part, I think your score was a big part of that. Thanks. Um, Just describe it a little bit. The the viewer follows a a father and his three-year-old son as they're searching for the boy's lost owl. And at times the father kind of is the owl in this giant owl suit. And they go through all these cool settings. And it's very, it's very touching. Um, it's hard to describe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of have to see it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to see it, but you should. Um, so I'd like to ask you about that. But before we get into that, I wonder if we could listen to it. This is Alison Plant's main title theme for the film The Morning of Everything. So can you explain some of the considerations that went into your scoring work on that project and how you approached it? Yes. So, um, I mean, I came to that film also because I I loved it, too. Um, The filmmaker actually had come to me looking for, you know, maybe an alum that I could refer him to. um, And I watched the trailer for that and I said, oh, my gosh, can I please score this for you? Because I love this so much. Um, I uh, have a son who was about a year older than the filmmaker's son. And so I was very close to that that whole set of of emotions and experiences in early uh, parenthood. Um, and it just totally resonated with me, and I understood exactly what he was saying. I thought he said it really well with his film. Um, uh, and so musically, uh, partly I was just tapping into my direct experience. I mean, I, I sat down at the piano 
when I was writing the first piece and I just thought about, you know, what it was like when my son was two and three and I just started playing things and that until it sounded right. You know, it sounded like that experience. And that's a, a thing that I think is um, sort of very uh, uniquely interesting and challenging uh, about scoring is how do you tap both into your um, your imagination and your kind of, um, you know, you, this kind of creativity that you don't know how to pin it down is the very right brain piece of it. And also uh, have the craft and say, okay, I know I'm going from this chord to that chord and I know how to voice this, you know, and, and I know what the range is of the viola and, you know, like how do you put those two things together and come up with an effective score? Uh, so that's actually one of the things I really love about scoring is that that's really hard to do. And I, I love every time it's like I've, I'm like, wow, this is still hard to do. <laughs> so it's, a, it's sort of an ongoing, interesting challenge. I wonder, you know, you mentioned the technological aspect of this earlier. And I, and I wonder if that's something that you bring to the table in terms of uh, everybody knows the importance of, you know, being technologically versatile these days. But we also know that that those tools are going to be changing in a few years. So What's the trick to training students to not only, you know, learn a software, but have the mindset where they're able to pick up the new software in a few years and master that with confidence and grace? So the, you just use the word mindset. That's, that is the key. So I think one of the things we have to teach or reinforce is that mindset of that you can learn uh, technology and, and that you know how to do it. Um, and if, uh, so the other thing we do is we teach concepts. So we use a particular tool, but we try to uh, abstract from that to what the concept is behind it. So, for instance, um, we might teach you how to create a bus track in Digital Performer, but we're also at the same time teaching you, how, you know, what is a bus track and how does signal flow through uh, an audio system. So um, I think that's that's probably the, the biggest key. Um, there's also things like troubleshooting, which are skills that are applicable across all software and hardware platforms and that are, uh, you know, if you know how to approach troubleshooting, uh, you can apply that anywhere. I can teach you troubleshooting on a bicycle. I could teach you troubleshooting on a, a composing rig. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, I, I just you just need to know like what are the steps that you do when you when something's not working. Um, and and so I think that's the key is uh, you know we start with the concepts and we reinforce that mindset that you know if if something isn't working, I'm not going to just throw up my hands and you know I'm going to figure out how it works and I know what the steps are to take. Switching back to film, before we go, I, I have to ask you. Um, what is your favorite film score, and what what do you love about it? Yeah, so that's always a tough question, right? Because like, what's you know, out of all the film scores, uh, I'm going to say uh, that is E.T. by John Williams, um, and the reason I'm going to go with that one is just a. Uh, purely emotional, uh, nostalgic reason for me is that that was the score that uh, introduced me to film scoring as a as a concept. Um, it was the first score I fell in love with. So it's sort of like your first your first crush, and like you can never really get over them. So um, so what I love about it is partly that that I was you know a little kid and I loved e everything about ET, and somebody gave me a record uh, with the ET soundtrack on it, and I remember thinking like, whoa, there's this thing called it's film music. <laughs> like that part of what I loved about that film is here on this record. Um, so it's partly that, and it's partly that it's just a brilliant score. I mean, uh, like many of John Williams' scores, I mean, the he's uh, uh, just an incredible thematic writer. Uh, I mean, the you know the the use of the themes in ET is brilliant. The the actual themes themselves just capture those different uh, characters and feelings so well. Um, so it's just it's just for all those reasons, and obviously he's also a master orchestrator. Um, 
It's, yeah, so that's, I think if I have to pick one score, it's going to have to be E.T. If I can double down on the tough question, <laughs> how about um, a work of your own that you really cherish for one reason or another that just, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, wow. I, I think, yeah, <laughs> that's actually even harder. It's like, which of your children do you like the best? Um, I actually, I think I'm going to have to say I was on sabbatical uh, a, a year ago, in, uh, spring before last, and I wrote a piece called Trimontane, which is a three, um, it's, it's a 15-minute work for orchestra with narration, and I recorded it at the Warner Brothers scoring stage with the studio orchestra, and I uh, actually the, I recorded the narration here with uh, Magna Chakrabarty at uh, WVUR. Um, and so that's just such a personal piece for me, and I didn't have to... Um, uh, although I although I love the collaborative piece, uh, it was just sort of a treat to write something that was just really personal. I actually I did collaborate because I, I collaborated with the uh, librettist essentially with the with the poet. You know, my friend Edmund Jorgensen wrote the text, so even then I couldn't I couldn't write a piece totally on my own and not collaborate with somebody. But um, but it was still much more free and personal. So it was a um, and it's about Boston and uh, and I worked in some a little fife tune. I used to play in fife and drum. So um, there's a lot of just little personal elements that I enjoy me to that piece. Nice. Allison Plant, thank you so much for joining us for Inside Berkeley today. Thank you very much. Let's go out with an excerpt from the score we were just discussing. This is from Allison Plant's score, Tri Mountain. This episode was recorded in the Burn Studios at Berkeley and engineered by Andre Gonzalez Cardona. I'm Michael Key Feldman for Inside Berkeley.